Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today on the show, we have Marnie Free, Director of Bethesda Workshops in Nashville, and my professor in the PSAP program. <laughs> That's quite the word to describe that. I got to spend wonderful time with cohorts of folks getting extra training about sex addiction from the pastoral perspective. So, professor, I kind of like it. Hey. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I sat through quite a few hours of class and it yes. was so helpful. I've got my binders actually right here. Oh, <laughs> And then also, Marnie, you're the author of No Stones. Yes. Look at you picking up the book. Oh, what a great host. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I've had this book for years because it actually played a big role in my personal recovery a few years ago. Initially, I thought, oh, this book will help me understand women because it's written for female sex and love addicts. And then I found myself in the book. Oh, that's cool wow, this is not just for women. So even though the show is for men, I highly recommend this book. I think it's a hidden gem because people don't realize that it's for men too. Well, you know, truth is truth. And the things we're going to talk about today in a few minutes, as we planned, uh, apply to both genders. So I guess that's why that works. It's interesting to me also hear from partners of pornography or sex addicts who find that book very helpful. I'm like, wow, I would think it would also be pretty triggering, but okay, I'm glad it's helpful. It is. And one of my favorite parts was the three bears model. Ah. What is that? The three bears. <laughs> I, I'm here with my, with my healthy part of self. And I'm so glad, Drew, that you invited me to share this concept with your listeners, because it's one that I just love, love, love. Let me share my screen. And then also I'm going to be holding up the three bears to tell you. I tease and tell people who are coming to Bethesda workshops or when I'm speaking, you know, yes, you are afraid that you would participate in something like this and be asked to, you know, love your inner bear. And that really is, is what this model is about. The model is really a model about living, It's a model about humanity and how we function. It's a model that is applicable to men, to women, to addicts of any kind, to partners, family members of addicts of any kind, to people in general. And I love then the the very broad um, way that this model can expand to, to help a lot of people. It also really fits well with internal family systems. And so I understand that a podcast has been shared by Jenna Rearmersma, who is one of my dear, dear people in my life. Um, And she is so blazing the way within the Christian community, especially for ISFS. And I love that. This model is a little simpler and it's coming from the same kind of of principles. Um, So as we talk about the three bears and they sit in three chairs, which right now in Zoom you can't see. But just picture three folding chairs in front of you and picture that two of them are empty uh, and one has this precious bear in it. Um, 
the uh, first part of self, we're looking in these three bears sitting in their three chairs. They represent three parts of self that all of us have. And this first one that we represent with this wonderful, healthy bear, uh, who, by the way, is real to me. Uh, all of these illustrations are ones that are very dear to me for each one has its different story. So this one is, is definitely very real. This one represents the healthy part of all of us. And Marilyn Murray, who came up with this whole concept and I adapted it to bears, calls this part of self the original feeling child or the original feeling one. I like the words one because this does not certainly apply just to children. But what she means by that, this is the one, the part of self that's created in the very image of God that's fearfully and wonderfully made, that is created whole and holy, unblemished. That may be radical theology for you. I hope you don't get distracted. I believe that with all of my heart, that, that we are created pure and whole and completely connected to God. Um, and then, yes, sin is in the world and it affects all of us, um, some of us earlier than others, but, but we are created in that pure and whole state. And some things that that are a part of that is first that we are created to be in touch with our feelings. At Bethesda workshops and in my book, No Stones, do we do now another 20-ish minutes at least, maybe 30, about feelings, which we won't do for this podcast. What's important to understand about this is that God made us feeling creatures. I believe deeply God. God's self is a feeling being, Christ, the Holy Spirit. They feel with, they be with us. That's the very core of presence is being with and being with in a feeling state. And so we are created that way. Sadly, both the church, I'll use that term probably often throughout this, this sharing. I just mean the whole big picture of Christendom, very ecumenically, um, not Catholic, not Protestant, just just in general, often we want to Christianify feelings. Uh, my co-teacher at uh, the, the PSAP training, pastoral sex addiction professional, it's a training that comes through uh, uh, the highest certification body in our field of sex addiction called ITAP, International Institute for Trauma and Addiction Professionals. Anyway, Dr. Craig Cashwell talks about we do spiritual bypasses around feelings. We'll use some healthy spiritual principles as a way, though, of doing a bypass around feeling what we feel. Like, you know, um, but God is always with you, so so you're never lonely. Crap. I, I like, <laughs> frequently lonely. My, I'm going to try not to curse on your podcast, but I can't, um, Drew, I can't promise that because I love Jesus a lot, and I kind of curse uh, some. Um, that part's welcome I'm gonna, here. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm, I'm going to. Make an effort, at least. Um, I mean, loneliness is my core feeling. It has been with me all of my life. Um, that's because there's a part that is so longing for God and longing for human connection. So everything about our feelings are positive. Our feelings aren't good or bad. They just are. And they're messengers to us. And we will never be in our healthiest self and never be deeply connected with God until we are in touch with our feelings. What do I feel? What do I feel it right now? Where do I feel it in my body? How strong is that feeling? 
Um, and again, there are all kinds of wonderful feeling books and materials and things out there to help you get in touch with that. We do a lot of that work at Bethesda Workshops. It's super important. I think another thing, uh, these aren't necessarily in the order of these, these slides, but to just, just talk about this one, is we are made for relationship. Again, as Christians, we really get this vertical relationship with God. And appropriately, we emphasize that a whole lot. Wonderful. And we are made for this deep, horizontal relationship with each other. I find it so interesting that in the, the account of creation, that here God has created all these marvelous things, including man. And then at some point says, hmm, and it's not good for you to be alone. What do you mean alone? I mean, Adam could walk and talk in the garden with God's self. I mean, isn't that supposed to be like the most amazing thing ever? Kind of called like maybe heaven. Um, and yet God is saying this, you need something this way. You need something horizontally. And I love that. We are made for a relationship. We are absolutely made for a relationship. It is our deepest core longing of the heart. And yes, we're made for a relationship with God. And for most of us, we cannot sort out this relationship with God until we've experienced some healthy, grace-based, loving, accepting, non-judging relationships with other people. Amen. Beautiful benefit of recovery that I can go into a 12-step meeting and dump all my crap and people go, oh, welcome, Marnie. Keep coming back. Really? Really? I, I, I get to come back here, bring all of this, you know, let me bring the other wagon full of baggage <laughs> in with me next time. I'll begin to tell you more of the truth because you're safe. This is health. We are made relationally. We are made to tell the truth. Okay. People who struggle with addiction and secrets like pornography and telling the truth. We, we don't do that really well. We are made to be vulnerable. Again, that's part of relationship. Uh, we, we hide those kinds of secrets. That's not how God intended us to be. We are made creative and playful and in a healthy way, interdependent, not codependent, not all enmeshed, but in a healthy way, dependent on other people. That's back to that relationship. This is health. This is how we are all created to be. And for those of us who struggle with addiction of any form, certainly with behavioral just wasteland called pornography addiction or sexual addiction to recover is to get in touch with this part of ourself who, who is already inside you that goes back to jenna's uh, internal family systems model that the god part of you is already there uh, and i believe that so this is the healthy bear and if we could back up and you could see i'm gonna set this one in a middle chair which was your, your first slide. Let's look at the next one, though. This next one, oh, look at this one. Mm. Marilyn calls the sobbing, hurting, wounded one. Do you see how small? Can you see either in your slide or here as I hold them in front of my face, which is like perfect, that this one is so much smaller just yeah. physically than this bear, than the healthy part of you? And that doesn't mean that this is a smaller part of you because this is actually the biggest part of you. Mm. It just means, and I ask people, do you ever feel small inside? Do you ever feel young inside? Again, Drew mentioned coming here to Bethesda Workshops in Nashville. 
for one of the modules of this pastoral sex addiction professionals training. And I asked this group of people, I don't know how many were in your cohort. Would you guess 20-ish, something like that? 40, actually. 40 and yours. Oh, that was okay. That's right. You were in the second group that came here. So here are all these people um, who are pastors. They're ministry leaders. They're They've written books. They're, they're big deal kind of people. They're men and they're women. And, and they are people who are used to being in charge, used to having it all together, used to appearing really competent and really spiritual. <laughs> We're paid for that. And, you know, and I, I start teaching about this and I ask them, I look, say, look, do you ever feel small inside? Do you ever feel young inside? And I wait for what seems like maybe to them a, a too long of a pause. And when I look out across, I see tears. I see faces. I see people doing, putting their hand on their chest or their throat. I see people who are like, oh, how does she know? Mm-hmm. Well, I know because I'm that way. And I know because of this model. Woundedness. We start off in this healthy part, and then life happens. What does that look like? It happens in a variety of different ways. We unpack this in several hours at Bethesda workshops for our intensive clinical treatment workshops for individuals struggling with pornography and sex addiction or partners. Um, we, un- we unpacked it in an- another hour or two at the pastoral training. Um, we get wounded by unhealthy dynamics that exist in families. I'm talking, these are old wounds. These are core wounds. Some of these wounds start in utero. The impact of a a mom's emotional health and comfort or discomfort directly impacts her baby, especially in the third trimester. Um, It happens with those secrets we keep in families, with the rules like don't talk, don't feel deny everything, uh, blame other people. It begins with the roles that we play in in family. Sometimes you're supposed to be the hero or the pastoral person, or you're the scapegoat. We're going to blame everything on you, or you're the doer. You know, all of these different kinds, you're the performer. Roles that people get locked into playing, they wound us. That's not how God intended for us to be, to put in those kinds of boxes of expectations. We get wounded by boundary issues, all that enmeshment. There's not a me and a you in families. There's just us, parents who live their lives through their children. We do that in marriages, by the way, that we are so enmeshed in our coupleships that it's how are we today? And if you are distressed, especially Mm -hmm. if you are distressed with me, now I am undone. And this is beyond the, the healthy type of I need to take absolute responsibility for how I've hurt you. This is, this is a deeper relational issue. And I digress. We are wounded by those things. We are also wounded as this slide says, by the trauma of abuse and of abandonment, abuse, emotionally, verbally, physically, sexual abuse, all of those things crush us. Proverbs says a crushed and wounded spirit who can bear it. This is so heavy. It is so hard. We get wounded by abandonment. The clinical word for that is attachment, attachment breaches, where primary caregivers, especially parents, are not able to show up in their healthy self consistently enough 
to listen, to comfort, to guide, to physically touch, um, to train children about this is probably what you're feeling. Is that right? All of those kinds of healthy things that we talked about uh, create attachment breaches. And and these actually that formerly were called um, more abandonment issues, but that word attachment is the clinical word that's gotten attached to that concept now. Um, these deeply, deeply, deeply wound us. I know that in my own story, which I tell at every workshop, it's on our website in, in like 3,000 words of detail. Um, but in my own story, I'm a pastor's kid. So I'm a PK. My father was a big, 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 big deal pastor uh, in the 1950s and 60s, widely known, certainly across the U.S., uh, in his very, very conservative, I would say fundamentalist Christian denomination, <clears throat> and also an unrecovered sex addict. Struggled all of his life with pornography. I, around age five, found his stashes of pornography. Same-sex pornography. So as a heterosexual kid, to see these images of naked men were always quite interesting and compelling. And, and somewhat a part of my story is different times I would return to those stashes of pornography. Um, he also offended and that at different times, he was a Christian educator as well as a full-time pastor. So two full-time jobs, I would say that role of workaholism uh, was part of that. Um, was sexual with male college students on the Christian college campus where he was academic dean in charge of their academic future. That's a big Me Too movement, which actually was for him in the mid-1980s as he was publicly exposed and disgraced because of that. All of that kind of stuff and his inappropriate relationships with other men brought a perpetrator into my life who was sexual with me from the time I was five until I was 20. That's a whole lot of shit there. Said I could curse. That's the yes. best word for that. That this is just messed up. So all of those things wound me. What I know though, is that I was so much more wounded by the death of my mother. My mother died when I was three years old and our family couldn't process that. Uh, never dealt with that. I carried lots of um, faulty beliefs about that, like that that was my fault. A um, whole lot of stuff about that. I tell that story more in, in my story uh, written on the website, and, and it's out there in other places in video form, I'm sure. Woundedness. This is huge. In today's world, you're wounded by bullying. You as men get bullied. Um, and men don't talk about it as much. You get sexually abused. Men don't talk about that. You get haste in different ways. Is it the team? Is it the frat? Uh, all of these things wound us. And what we know is that this one, this little bitty one, this small one, is the one who carries all the energy for your life. This one. This is the one. Pick your metaphor. We are taping this in football season. SEC, we're playing some. Uh, this is the quarterback of the team, or this is the head coach. This is the one who's driving the bus, who's flying the plane. This is the commander in chief. This is the CEO. This is the big one that carries every bit of energy for your relationships, for your life, for your worldview, for your pornography use, which we'll unpack in a minute. This is the one. 
that we must deal with. And again, within the church, we often, it's a long time ago. You just need to forgive whatever happened and get over that. And, and God is enough. And God's made you a new creature. Yeah. Holding this one. Holding this one. Um, we must deal with this wounded part of you. And to recover, including from just pornography use, you will never until you deal with this one. You get that message. This is as big as this gets. So we've looked at two bears. Go back to your first picture if that's helpful. Here's your original healthy part of self. Here is your wounded part of self who has all the energy for relationships. And here's the third one. Oh, can you see him? <laughs> He's this. big. He's big. He's bigger than I am. I mean, I'm seated at least, so he's he's bigger than I am seated. Um, this is your coping self, your survival self. And yes, this is a gorilla. Now, guys, I am a pretty bright woman. And I do know, largely because other nasty people have pointed out to me, that technically a gorilla is not a bear. Don't bother me with that. In the Bethesda Workshops world, there are three bears. They sit in three chairs. One of them's a gorilla. Just build a bridge. Your coping self, your survival self, it is his job to take care of all the pain and woundedness of this one. And he literally does it like this. Just trying to protect, just trying to help yeah. this wounded one survive. And so what does that look like? Oh, guys, you're familiar with this dude. I mean, he drives to work with you every morning. He he sits at your computer desk. He is there every time you pull out your phone. You know this one. Pornography, all kinds of other addictions, alcohol, drugs, um, whether they're prescribed for you, whether they're street drugs, whether they're prescription drugs, but just not prescribed for you. All of the different ways. We do it with control. We do it with rage. I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. I'm going to leave you before you can leave me. We do it with focusing externally on all kinds of stuff, on our kids, on uh, solely a relationship partner at the point of losing ourself, at church, at work, at some sports or activity, at zoning out um, by binge watching all the last four seasons of football because there's not enough that's actually getting played live at the moment. Um, on food, oh my gosh, we got any food people? Yeah. Disordered yep. food people out here, there's a huge correlation. Food and sex, pornography addiction is a form of sex addiction. Different conversation, just it is. They are the core addictions because they are core to who we are. You do have to eat to survive. And we are created as sexual beings. Sex is indeed optional, says one of the 12-step fellowships, meaning we don't have to engage in overt sexual activity. And we are created as sexual beings. They're core. So we cope with that. Church. Yes, church can be coping. Wow. I'm not talking about genuine spirituality, which comes from here. Genuine spirituality comes from relationship with God. The coping kind of spirit of religion is religiosity. It's about performance. It's about looking good. It's about doing the right thing because, you know, everybody else in my circle, they go to church at least occasionally, at least non-COVID times. And and so, yeah, we, we will too. Um, coping, surviving. It's really important to remember this is, these are survival strategies. So exercise, we didn't talk about that. So now let's break that down a little bit more. 
Some of these things that we've mentioned, we would say are categorically wrong within a Christian worldview, we would say are sinful. Looking at pornography, infidelity, other forms of sex addiction, abusing alcohol, abusing drugs. We, we would say, yeah, those clearly don't work. But a lot of this other stuff, I mean, you do have to work, right? Oh, perfectionism. I didn't mention that, but work, just that looking perfect. Is there anything wrong with being great at your job? Of course not. Of focusing on your kids, being really involved in their stuff? Oh, of course not. That helps them not to be abandoned. Um, you do have to, to eat. Isn't exercise healthy for you? Yes. So the deal with the coping, the deal with your gorilla, your survival strategies are not necessarily what you're doing. Again, minus those caveats we identified that are clearly unhealthy and indeed sinful. It's why are you doing it? And so most of us live our lives bouncing back and forth between these two bears and their chairs, and we're not even aware of it. And again, this is where it starts. The pain that you are feeling triggers whatever the coping du jour is of the moment. And we go back and forth. Maybe you've stopped pornography for a good while. Great. So how much alcohol are you drinking? So how much overwork are you doing? So have you gained 20 pounds? You know, um, and so this model, I think, is just... So, so, so helpful. And so if you go back to that original slide that had them sitting, uh, the three in there, I think I'm going to stop, stop sharing my screen here for a second, um, that had them sitting in their three chairs. And here's the middle. Here's the middle bear in the middle. In this model, there's a healthy adult who stands above these three bears and their three chairs and is able to talk about them and not just get driven by my woundedness or my coping. Um, and this healthy adult doesn't necessarily can't figure all this stuff out, but that healthy part of you can metaphorically take the other two by the hand and take them somewhere like a therapist, like a well-trained recovery coach, like a well-trained pastoral professional. And P.S. your average pastor is not going to be helpful, he or she, but let's be realistic. It's going to be like 99% of he, so don't start me on that one, is going to say helpful crap like, oh, pray more. Oh, gee, I'm sure you didn't think of that. Or just stop. Well, I'm sure you didn't think of that either. So you need to, to, to go to someone like Drew, who has been super well-trained in all of these kinds of things, and get help. So the three bears and their three chairs uh, and a model for living healthy. What do you think, Drew? I think this makes a lot of sense. And it is more simple than IFS to have the three bears, yes. the wounded bear and the survivor bear yeah, and the original feeling child. And then there's the surprise at the end where we actually have the resource of a healthy adult self too. Yeah. Yeah. Now IFS can help you get to all of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I love the model. So if I'm struggling with porn how can I live more out of that healthy self? Uh, of course, that's a process. That's not going to just happen overnight. And the process starts, I believe, with relationship. It starts with telling the truth, not just to self and God, which both of those are hard for many of us. Our shame keeps us in denial. I don't really want to think about how terrible it is. And we kind of forget that God knows anyway, so we're going to hide this from God. Um, but telling other safe people, 
it starts with breaking the secret so that there are others who can can come along and love you and support you and be with you and hold you accountable. But accountability is never going to work with that relationship. We will run from it. We will distance from it. Uh, we will not let it in and it will add to our shame. So, um, so I think it starts with telling, with telling the truth. I think ultimately um, sobriety helps a lot because, you know, I can't, feel really good about myself if I'm not living in sexual relational integrity. So, and to get to that place though, is also, and this is coming from that healthy place. I generally speaking, almost always am going to have help myself. If I realize I have a pornography problem and I choose to stop, I want to stop and I choose to stop and I do. Hallelujah. You're not an addict. You are a person who's been undisciplined and you realize this is not good for me and I'm going to stop and you do. That's great. That doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy, but at least you're not looking at pornography, which is a great start. Many times those who are, are in a part of a ministry like yours, Drew or Bethesda workshops, we're way past that part. We truly are addicted. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to need extra help. So we need to use the tools of recovery. Uh, Probably somebody has done a podcast with you or they should about just unpacking the standard tools of recovery of being in community, going to 12 step groups, going to, if there's a faith-based group, um, using things like covenant eyes to get a little, a little stop gap between the impulse and the thing, being in healthy relationship, dealing with your trauma, journaling, reading recovery literature, spirituality, exercise, all, all that stuff. Um, those those are ways to to start living out of the healthy place. Quite a few tools in the toolbox. There, yeah, there you go. Something I hear from a lot of men is how much they hate the porn, the survivor, right? In them, sure. What have you found that allows you to love and appreciate that part of you? Uh, I love, love, love that question. Um. One of the sweetest things that was a part of my own journey that I still get to remind myself of on a fairly regular basis is honor what you did to survive. Mm -hmm. I mean, this gorilla serves an enormous function. If the gorilla hadn't done what the gorilla did, you would not be here to recover. You would not be here to learn how to reclaim your healthy self. And it helped you at the time. Pornography is a terrific coping mechanism, short term. Man, all those neurochemicals are really cool. Uh, They work. They distract us. It's less, I started to say less costly. I guess if you're just doing pornography, it might be even practically less costly. Uh, Though you can sure pay a whole lot of money for looking at online content. Um, it's less risky in terms of acting out across the flesh line and those things. So we tend to think, hey, you know, this this isn't too bad. And I'm saying there's a payoff. There, there's always a payoff for why we do what we do, especially if we keep doing it. We realize this this meets some need in some way. Well, those people in pornography always want you. They are always sexually available. They're always affirming. They're always willing to do anything you can imagine and all kinds of stuff that you can't. Like, oh, wow, I wish I could unsee that. Um, And and here's this hot neurochemical stuff going on. It worked. It 
It has helped you survive a really whacked out culture that tells you as men all kinds of way whacked out stuff about masculinity, about manhood, about sexuality, about consent, about all kinds of stuff. Um, It's gotten you here. It's how you've survived. And now from your healthy place, you can learn better, less costly survival tools. And so when we can frame all of that, um, I actually think it helps to take responsibility for what I did to survive. I mean, I, I had to make amends to, uh, I got to make amends to my husband and to other people about uh, the ways that my acting out, which was largely multiple, multiple affairs, um, how that hurt them, my children. And yet, when I really get in touch with this one, I'm like, what other choices did she have? Public health, all the stuff that she went through, of course she was going to be drawn to very intense, long-term, very enmeshed, high-intensity, highly sexual relationships. That's coming absolutely trauma repetition, trauma bonding from here. Reminds me of something that was repeated often in PSAP training, normalize and validate the heck out of it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yes. I will never forget my dear therapist, probably six or nine months at least, maybe almost a year into my own recovery work when my my early work was focusing on this one, because I wasn't willing to give up the lettuce affair partner who was conveniently next door. Um, And I love that she said, keep coming back, keep telling me the truth and we'll work on this one. Uh, And it's not ideal. And for me, it was very helpful. And there came a point that she, she literally took my face in her hands. She wheeled up to me. She was in a wheelchair and put my face in her, took my face in her hands. And with such tenderness said, Oh dear, precious Marnie, it's not your fault that you're here. I mean, anybody would, would be, where, where you are in this coping and it's not your fault and you're doing such great work and it is now your responsibility to do something different about it. Yes. 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 That is true. This is not an excuse. The, a reason is not an excuse and it can still be a reason. We just get to take responsibility for it and do something different about it and get help about it. Um, yeah. And there are so many more resources and programs out there now than there were in the past. So sure. could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Bethesda Workshops? Yay, thank you. Bethesda Workshops has been around a long time, uh, since 1997, came to be uh, more in its current form around 2000-2001. Uh, we're based in Nashville, Tennessee. So Bethesda is the name of the program, not the place. And a fabulous building that God provided for us about three and a half, four years ago, um, after being a homeless ministry for 20 years. We do clinical, meaning all of our folks are trained. They're almost all CSATs, which is the highest certification in, in our field of treating sex addiction. Uh, They're all licensed. So we do clinical Christian based 
grace-based, affirming, very comprehensive, welcoming of all, including of people uh, of a different faith or no faith. But what we're doing is is Christian-based, generally four-day workshops around sex addiction. We have lots and lots of men who are coming who are pornography addicts, and they haven't acted out in any other way, uh, and they still have a real problem. Um, We treat all different forms of sex addiction in gender-specific programs with gender-specific leaders for male sex addicts. We have a program for female sex addicts. That's how this ministry started. God told me, Marnie, nobody's doing anything to help women who struggle with sex addiction, and I've chosen you. Uh, And it's been the joy of my life to get to do that now for the last 28 and a half years. Um, We also help partners of pornography or sex addicts. Generally speaking, those are female partners. So women married or in significant relationship with a guy who's acting out in some way. But we also have the opposite that would fit my situation. A male partner, a husband or fiance or something of a woman who's acting out. There aren't nearly as many of them, but we do welcome them. And then we have started, I don't know, two, three years ago now, a a program for adolescents, for teens, gender-specific, males and females, uh, who come for four days with their parents. That's amazing. And frankly, it's it's crashing. It has never fully really gotten off the ground um, because by the time they, they get to me, the teens are really ready for help. Guess who doesn't want to come? The parents. They're the ones who are like, you want me to spend that much money to come for my kid? And I want to say, you know what? It's a whole lot cheaper than inpatient treatment 10 years from now yeah, or probably then his funeral, which is where this could lead or all kinds of stuff because this, this is not getting any better. And even that, even that emotionally immature reply gives us a clue about what that kid's dealing with at home. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or well, his mom could come, but you know, I'm so-and-so and I do this and I can't possibly take off work. And I'll say, and they're in, is a lot of this problem. So I got to work on my approach. You know, my sales thing is not quite because I'm just, I just get so fried with this. I just yeah. like, really, really. And right now, of course, with COVID, we, we can't do the group, all the group stuff of bringing people to our building. We're choosing not to do that. With COVID, we've moved those core programs online though, for the healing for men, for male pornography, yeah. sex addicts, healing for women, for female pornography, sex, love relationship addicts, healing for partners, for partners of addicts. So those three, the core things we do are online. It's still four days, Wednesday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central time. Right. So no matter where you live in the United States or even outside of the United States, these yes. online workshops are you available. Still do online. Yeah. Sounds good to me. And if you are interested in getting trained as a professional, PSAT program happens in Nashville at Bethesda Workshops, right? Um, it does. Um, most of the time we, we keep lobbying. We want to have it all that second mod all the time here. And, you know, there are other great places that want to have it too, but yes, it's, it's sponsored through ITAP. So sweet. And second model here is here. Marnie, thanks so much for sharing with us today. One last question. What is your favorite thing or some of your favorite things? These are a few of my favorite things about freedom. About freedom. Oh, you warned me before we went live that you'd have that question. And you said, your favorite thing. And I'm like, I need 23 at least. 
I think the first thing that comes to my my mind immediately when you said that an hour ago um, is just the peace to not be in all of that internal chaos, all of that internal churning, all of that somatic stuff in my body, all of the pain my body carried, the churning, all of that stuff. Um, And right there with it comes a genuine relationship with God. I have a mama God and a papa God um, and a spirit God who is right with me all the time. And I never had that before. And it's a God who loves me and all of my stuff, even right this second, if if there's something terrible in my life, God's like, oh, come here. Let's let's start talking about this. I'm right here. I am right here. We'll figure this out. Uh, and it's just priceless. It's so coming from this one, but it is so holding my other bears. It, this spiritual relationship, it just, it's just got all of us. And it is precious. I love connections I've made in recovery. I love, um, I love how healthier I am, even physically, emotionally. I continue to do work, Drew. I, I began this year in COVID uh, at a whole different course of therapy around somatic experiencing to help my own little wounded girl whose mama died 61 years ago last week. 61 years. And this one still feels that. And I'm getting her some help in a deep wave right now, which is which is precious to know I can do that continually to be on the journey. Um, it's it's wonderful. Amen. I feel a deep sense of peace as you say that because that's the God I want to be with. Yeah. And, and I never want to stop doing my own work either. Exactly. Sure. So we always have more healing needed and always more healing available. And more healing we get to do. You know, I know for years, Drew, I would feel shame. Oh, my goodness. Now there's this issue. I've got to go back to therapy. Have I not done enough therapy? Have I not spent, you know, 14 bajillion dollars on therapy and hours so far? Really? And by now, God says to this little one, oh, sweetheart, you get to feel better. And you have done so much work. And this gorilla mama has done a lot of work, but she's still kind of scary. <laughs> and and you get to go even deeper because there's more joy every single round. Amen. That's, that's cool. Thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. I, I love showing my bears. They are all awesome. And for everyone else out there, always remember you are God's beloved son and in you, he's well-pleased. Well-pleased.